Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Vanessa Hurst joins us in this episode, and she has been on previously approximately eight times in episodes titled COVID is a Trojan Horse. So if you want to go back and listen to those episodes, I highly recommend it. In this episode, she provides us updates on what is occurring within her county and their public school system regarding the ongoing corruption and the school merger that has occurred. She details the continued control that exists in their K-12 school and K-12 schools everywhere, in particular from a corporate level. And she tells a horrific story regarding her family's own experiences with Child Protective Services when she herself was a child, involving directly her younger sister. Vanessa Hurst was also a former investigative reporter for a local newspaper where she lives in Kentucky, along with a former researcher and tour guide for a museum. She's a wife and a mother of three boys, two of which attend private school and the oldest who attends the local public school. So with that said, here is our discussion, and I'll catch you on Wednesday where I'm going to have another discussion with a current educator within the state of Louisiana, and they're going to give us some updates as to what's been going on there throughout the course of the last two years along with where they see things going forward. So with all of that said, here's my discussion with Vanessa Hurst, and I'll catch you on Wednesday. The article you sent yesterday sort of summarized uh, where we left off, that your your county and the, and the local counties in Kentucky were moving toward the work placement, you know, K-12 model, I guess. Yeah. And how odd all of that seemed. Mm-hmm. But um, what's been what's been going on since? Well, Nelson County specifically, um, they went ahead and the school board approved. Well, they had their local planning committee meetings. The local planning committee approved their um, district facilities plan, which would merge all of the middle schools in our county into the two high schools that we have. So you will now ha- we'll now have two sixth through 12th grade school centers. Um, Allegedly, we were told that in the beginning, we were told that there would allegedly be a middle school wing built onto each of these high schools. It is now, you know, that's kind of out the window because, you know, funding and and inflation and construction and things have all kind of, everything's changed with with inflation. Right. Um, And the two high schools were under capacity anyway, so it never really made sense to add on to those high schools. So now you're going to have 12-year-olds within the same building footprint as 18-year-olds. Um, and they're going to be, even if they can separate the grades, which they say they will, they're still going to have to share common spaces. They're not going to build a new cafeteria. They're not going to build new gymnasiums or libraries they call them media centers um they're not going to build anything new like that for the middle schoolers um to keep them separate so they'll still have common spaces that they share with high schoolers so that's still steamrolling right on ahead it was approved by the school board sent to the kentucky department of education kind of interesting though we had enough people write in and um to the Kentucky Department of Education, the Kentucky School Board, that's what it is, Kentucky Kentucky Board of Education had to approve it. And we had enough people write in to them that they actually had Wes Bradley come up, our superintendent Wes Bradley come up and um, sit in on a hearing about it because so many people were opposed to it. Um, 
he, uh, of course, there's nothing procedurally that he did wrong that they could find. So they went ahead and approved the plan anyway, came back to our school board. They approved it. And so it's going, it's moving forward. Um, in the meantime, in the background, there's a group called NC Cares, Nelson County Citizens Advocating for Responsible Education. And they have filed a lawsuit and a rest- and I think they, I think there was talk about a restraining order to stop any construction regarding the, this merging of the middle schools into the high schools. Um, so that's in court. It, they haven't had, they had a preliminary hearing, I think, but it's, it's court in the United States and it moves at a glacial pace. So it's just, it's taking a really long time just to get, you know, the hearings and everything. It took forever to get a special judge appointed. Um, so I, I just don't see that moving very fast. It's not very encouraging to me. Um, also, though, my thing is, you know, I, I really I don't care about the merger of the schools. That's not what bothers me. What has ultimately been my hang up is the education itself and or lack thereof. And the the very big focus on career studies all the way down to kindergarten. Um, half these kids can't even read at grade level. And, but we're going to, we're going to, you know, kind of cow that or, you know, herd them toward looking at careers in kindergarten. It's just, um, it's so upside down and backwards. I, I'm having massive flashbacks now to the previous conversations we've had. You know, and from previous conversations that I've been talking all along about, and this is, this is the part that really, you know, it's kind of, on one hand, it's kind of vindicating, but on the other hand, it's also very nauseating. And it makes me sick to my stomach. I mean, it really does. That yeah. I've been saying all along, this is something that's going on across the state. And um, then, you know, this article that recently popped up that I sent you yesterday about this um, Kentucky County, Montgomery County student signs letter of intent for trade work. So you have this this high schooler, this um, senior um, this, sorry, the senior, he's, uh, he's signing his letter of intent to, um, a full, work a full-time job right out of high school. Um, because you know, at the place that he's been co-opting through high school and I'm not against co-opting and I'm not against going right into a trade or whatever after high school, I have nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, but to sign a letter of intent, now we're going to, you know, glorify this, this, um, and, and I'm, I'm not against kids finding what they're they're going to do while they're in high school. That's great. My husband did it. You know, he, he figured out he wanted to, to weld when he was in high school. And that's what he does now. And he's been doing it for almost 20 years. And that's great. Um, I don't know. But it, it just seems like corporations have gotten their tentacles into education, public education, publicly funded education, taxpayer funded education. And are using it to push kids toward their own um, employment for their own employment purposes. There is a employ- there is a, an employment crisis in the United States. There is a, a, a very huge dramatic drop in the labor force for a, mul- a multitude of reasons. But these corporations have figured out that they can infiltrate education and um and, and use it, use public education as a means to create a pipeline of workforce, labor force 
into their own businesses. And it's, it's very, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of nefarious. It's almost like socialism and capitalism had a baby and it's not fascism like you would normally think because that's where the government controls the corporations. This is where the corporations control the government. It's kind of inverse of fascism. Um, Corporations are the government. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's frightening because we have no, we have no control as voters, as taxpayers over these corporations. And now they're infiltrating schools and they're getting kids to sign on like you would for college, your letter of intent to be employed at their business. That's, that's just, I don't know. I, I, it doesn't sit well with me. <laughs> it is certainly a branding approach that's that, like you said, is, is very uncomfortable because it's something that I've never heard of before. And it begs a lot of, I mean, a number of different questions. Number one, for me, regarding, again, Nelson County and and local areas, how is the the enrollment? I mean, are more people homeschooling? Is is this part of it, too? Is it, you know, is this an angle to try to bolster, hey, look what we're doing in our school and, you know, in in, in an attempt to make them look better? Everybody that I have, I mean, most people that I've talked to are scrambling to find alternatives. Now, they're going to other districts. And, you know, a lot of these folks, because it's cheaper to stay in the public school system than it is to try and, you know, send your kids to private school. People don't even want to begin to figure out how to homeschool their own kids. But it's possible. Okay, it is possible to homeschool your children and work a full time job. I have friends that have done it successfully. Their kids went on to go to college and have great careers. Homeschooling while the parents, both parents work full time jobs. It's possible. But anyway, um. People are really in Nelson County. They're, there's really, they're really scrambling, especially toward the end of this year, going into next next school year, trying to find any alternative to what's going on. They know it's wrong. They know their kids aren't getting any kind of decent education. There's no focus on academic rigor, um, or even you know, sta- you know, there's there's not even a set of standards that anyone's trying to reach. I, I, I hate to even see what map scores are they do map testing um here in kentucky i don't know if it's done across the united states but it's definitely done in kentucky a lot of the schools will do to see what kind of progress kids have made and they do it two maybe three times a year um the beginning of the year to see where they are and then toward the middle to see how they're progressing and then at the end uh and it's math and reading mostly uh focused and across the board in nelson county kids are not reading or performing in math at grade level. It's always below grade level. There are very few students who are at or above grade level. And uh, that, I mean, that's really concerning. And it's, it's, of course, it's across the state. We had the whole, you know, the, the whole pandemic lockdown nonsense that, you know, that really threw kids behind. However, I can say with 100% certainty the school that my kids are going to now, the private school, St. Catherine Academy, they, my kids started off behind because they went to public school. They were behind. They were a half a grade level behind. And by the time they, I mean, right away, they put Sam into reading intervention, my youngest, because he could barely read starting off in first or second grade. By the time, I mean, it was half a year in, he was reading you know, small chapter books 
by the end of the year, he's reading chapter books, reading fluently, and he's on AB honor roll. Awesome. That's awesome. It's, it, it's been fantastic, but it's because it's the rigor, it's the discipline, it is this set of expectations that this is what you have to learn, and you have no other choice but to learn this. You're going to miss out on your recess if you don't get your homework done or if you do it incorrectly. And, you know, and, and there's corrections done on, and read ink all over homework papers. I love seeing the red ink because That's that means awesome. that, yes, <laughs> I mean, the, they need to see what they're doing wrong, what they're spelling wrong, you know, the, the mistakes that they're making, you know, not putting a hook on a G, you know, or whatever it might be. It's kids need that. They need discipline. They, especially now, um, you know, where a screen entertains a child for, 90% of their waking life, you, you, they need to be able to just sit down, slow down and just have to focus on one thing. It's just, it's been, it's been wonderful. And I could, it, it can be done. Kids these days are no different than they were 10, 20, 50 years ago. They're no different. We have not evolved to the point that, you know, we need to be taught differently. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's been fantastic, but I, I can say with certainty that public schools all across the board, I see it, I work in a different county than we live, I see it in their public schools, it's moving at a much slower pace than it has for Nelson County, but they're doing the same things, they're headed in the same direction, it's just good, all public schools, the, the, the building is on fire, get your family out, there you <laughs> that's go. all I can say. Yeah, well, what does your eldest son think about uh, what's going on at the high school? that's a whole nother, we had a whole run in with that, um, with him. But as far as like the education, the high school, the high school teachers are on a different level. Most of them, mm -hmm. they, most of them don't buy into the language, the propaganda. They do their thing. They teach the kids what they need to know, unless they're in these, the collabs, the collabs are kind of pull students that have a certain interest, we'll say engineering or the arts, and they'll kind of combine classes and call it dual dual credits, where a teacher that's certified in, say, biology and also algebra, you get a credit for both of those because that teacher can teach both of those things. Um, it's not a traditional high school experience. Um, but my son is in the more traditional, you know, classes, and he's not really interested in, in like, gaining going to classes to get you know like a, a college education so he's not really he's just kind of taking all the basic stuff and he's fine he's you know he's he's Isaac he's a little he's a little redneck and he loves to fish and that's just his life so hey, you know that's that's, that's what that's, I that's, I mean, what, that's what I did in high school I took all the, yeah. I took all the basic stuff and I got out of there as quick as I could right and that's that's basically his his philosophy just get it over with and He's, go he's still going to the public school. I'm not thrilled with it. We've had our run-ins with the, the principal and assistant principal and guidance counselor. What else would you expect when I'm his mother? But um, <laughs> but uh, he, he'll be fine. And my, my middle son is already thinking about alternatives to Thomas Nelson because he sees it. He's more, he's more academic, um, academically focused. And... Um, so it'll, it'll be, it might be a little bit different story with him, but, but we'll see. Time will tell. I'm like I said, I'm not pleased that my oldest is going to Thomas Nelson, but like I've said before, it's not a battle that I'm willing to fight. It's just, it, it would cause more trouble to pull him right now than it would just to let him 
ride it out. Gotcha. Let me let me ask you this too, sort of to, to go back in time. All of the and you, of course, were a big part of galvanizing a lot of the parents in that area regarding again the curriculum and the lack thereof and the merger and and all of that. Not to mention the mask wearing and everything else that was taking place. And I'll I'll get into the COVID stuff later on, but. How is the how is the parental engagement now? It is really sadly, I feel like it has dropped off quite a bit, um, and I I don't under you know, it, it's really frustrating to me that you know what's it going to take? People aren't going to move unless they're uncomfortable. How uncomfortable do you need to be to actually stand up and 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 say something or do something? You know what's what what is it going to take for these people to move? Uh, It's, it's been frustrating. It's been a point where I've actually, I've had to walk away from it. My husband, um, we, you know, after having a really frustrating time of it, uh, several months ago, he says, look, our younger kids aren't even in it anymore. You are putting more into this than any parent who has their kid in the public school. He says, you need to give it a break. If you care more about their kids' education than they do, you need to quit. You need to walk away. Yeah. And it, and he was right. It was it was just something I had to – I did have to take a break from because it's just – it gets to the point where you, you, can, you, you start to get black-pilled <laughs> about everything. So, like, what is – why aren't people waking up? Why can't they see this? It's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, and it's very difficult to wake up the brainwashed. And there's, I mean, that's like you said, it's frustrating and exhausting. And ultimately, you just got to say, well, you know, you got to, I mean, it's your bed. You made it. Now you got to lay in it. So, yeah. 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 It's the same. It's the same way here, at, you know, at the local school district where I live. Same exact thing. I'll never attend another board meeting. They've been warned. <laughs> they've been told the curriculum stuff is getting worse. They're cramming it down everybody's throat, all the LGBT stuff and mm-hmm. social emotional learning, this and that. And I mean, they're doomed on their own because of their own decision making. And it kind of sounds like the same thing is happening in Nelson County. You know, they're shooting themselves in the foot. They have no idea that they're the ones holding the gun. Right. But how how uh, how is Wes Bradley? What's what's the what's what's the gossip on him these days? Well, Actually, there's there was a um, so a, a the Nelson County High School principal had um, had resigned, and then within a week, the assistant principal resigned, and they word on word on the street is that they um, they were kind of forced to do that. You know, you've been in education, you understand that it's you know you get you get pushed and prodded and, and sent in that direction till you get to the point where you just can't take it anymore. And I think that's kind of what's happened with the, the two administrators and the, um, so, but they, these, but the thing is these two were really well liked. They didn't drink the Kool-Aid, but students loved them. I mean, they absolutely loved these two administrators and it was, it kind of sent a shockwave throughout the high school. And several students got together during, on testing day, checked out, checked themselves out early. A lot of them are 18 or 17. They can do that. 17, 18, I think you can do that. Check yourself out of school. Some The ones that couldn't, their parents came or sent them notes and they left early and they protest. They had a protest. They had signs. They were on the 
the main part of the highway there in front of the high school. And they protested. They even one of the parents even contacted the sheriff to make sure it would be okay, and he was fine with it. And he was there with them um, when they were protesting. And uh, the wow. that's impressive. <laughs> yeah, it it was. I was very. I was very. It was a very proud moment to, just to be able to see you know the community come together and do that. Um, and I'm trying to find the article in the Kentucky the Kentucky Standard, the local newspaper. Let me back up for a minute. The editor of the Kentucky Standard left the Kentucky Standard and took a job as the communications director for Nelson County Schools. Yay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's so, not good. That's not good at all, especially this particular editor. I used to have a lot of respect for him, and he's, he's a fantastic writer. He was a wonderful journalist, but um, I guess the, the allure of having good pay and better hours um, was more than he can pass up, so... He, uh, yeah, that's, that's not good for, not good for us. Communication directors for anybody listening to this, uh, who work for K-12 school districts are arguably the worst people that work within a K-12 school district outside of a superintendent. I mean, they are public image to the bone. They will cover up the largest crimes that exist their 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 favorite <laughs> you'll you'll hear this if you haven't already Vanessa but their favorite saying is is well we can't comment comment on that right now oh well I he's gonna wish that he hadn't commented on this but um so the Kentucky Standard put out an article about about the um, the protests there were around thirty students plus their parents there were some um, local uh, people people that were running for local elections that had showed up to show support. Um, but so the students were out there, they were holding signs and whatnot. The, the district, the district issued a statement, Elsa County school district issued this following statement at the same time, a group of citizens opposed to the district facilities plan have remained intent throughout the past year. sowing chaos and confusion through the misuse of information leading to ongoing social media harassment and continued public bullying of board members and staff. This group has politicized a number of school events to further obstruct the facility plan. In Tuesday's case, the resignation of a staff member was another such event. While the misrepresentation is unfortunate, our district has continued to build for the next generation of Nelson Countyans and will ensure every student in every school across our county will have access to world-class programs and opportunities, the statement said. <laughs> wow! Wow. Basically saying, sorry, kids, I know you're upset about your principal leaving and, you know, the huge staff turnover, but let them eat cake. Wow. Yep. Everybody's a liar except for us. <laughs> That's incredible. Misre and misrepresentation. I know, and harassment. That's insane. But there hasn't been any, like, what are they even calling harassment? There was one instance where a parent not involved with the people the group that is um that is even you know filing the lawsuit but one parent had found records that had been expunged of one of the board members where he had gotten a dui in a different county and uh but it all just all that whole thing just kind of went away so but they found but they found the records for it I don't know how or whatever. So that came out. I guess that was what they're considering the harassment. I don't know. 
Well, you just showing up at a board meeting and asking questions is harassment as far as they're oh, concerned. Absolutely. You're, yes. the en- and, you're the enemy. And pulling up facts that you find from the Kentucky Depart- Department of Education, pulling up those facts are, you know, misinformation because you don't quote, you quote unquote, you don't know how to read it. Unbelievable, but very believable. Wow. Right. Wow. It's, it's, it's looking more and more like the mafia every day. (laughs) Yeah. And it, yeah. Even with all the, you know, the parental pressure. And I mean, I, you know, that behind the scenes, they were probably saying to themselves, again, the school board members and the superintendent, whatever. And of course they're all in it together. They're all working together, but they're probably saying behind the scenes on a constant basis, you know, the parents will just eventually go away and the students will, will not care and they'll go away too. And we'll get our way no matter what. And, you know, let's just ride this wave out. And, uh, it sounds like they've done that, but, oh, wow. That's, yeah. that's interesting. That's very interesting. But again, that's, that's the guy's job. I mean, that's the, right. <laughs> that's the job of the communication director right there. Uh, wow. Okay. So the, the, clearly the public interest or lack thereof with Wes Bradley is still, is still there. Mm-hmm. And you said, I believe the last time we talked, he has another con or he re-upped his contract. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Another four years. Is, is the local, does that local radio, do those two local radio hosts still exist? They do. They do. Um, they're running cover for him again. Not as much lately, but there also hasn't been, there hasn't been a lot of opposition vocalizing as of right now. So, but yeah, they have, they have run some cover a little bit here and there. Um, since the last time we talked, I mean, I, I just remember listening to those interviews. You, you would text me those and I'd say, Oh yeah, I'm going to listen into this. And again, they would let him off easy. I mean, they're, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Oh, that's another thing. The Kentucky Standard, our newspaper um, that our the the editor left and went to be communications director. It's very clear that he is submitting them content about the schools. I mean, because I would say a good, I'm being, I'm being generous here. Thirty percent of the newspaper content lately has been school stuff, all about Nelson County schools, and we have, we have another independent public school system within Nelson County, Bardstown schools. And we have, we have uh, several um, private schools and none of them get near the coverage that Nelson County schools get, but they're all, all these are, you know, press release type articles that are coming from Nelson County schools with pictures and they're getting front page coverage. I mean, it's, it's very obvious, you know, the writing style is coming from that former editor but he's just submitting them content and because they're desperate short staffed, things are, you know, kind of in upheaval because they, their corporate corporate office was bought out by another corporation a couple of years ago and they're still in that transition and they moved offices and all that. They're desperate for content. So they're just taking it and plugging it in there. But it is a really bad look that Nelson County schools get so much coverage after their former editor is now employed at Nelson County schools. Um, so that's also going on. So it, it makes it really look like the newspaper is absolutely biased. And um, so not only is the news, the, the radio station clearly biased to run cover for Brad, you know, Wes Bradley, 
but also our newspaper is as well. And if you want to get any kind of fair coverage, which unless there's, you know, unless it's a slow day in Louisville and there's no shootings, you know, the news stations, you know, up out of Louisville, Kentucky will sometimes come down and cover some of this stuff. But, uh, but yeah, if, if there's a shooting, then you know you get bumped, but um, it, it's just, it's, it's frustrating because you're not, you know, it, you don't get the same kind of coverage. Not that anyone reads the newspaper anyway, but, um, but it, it's, de- there's definitely a bias and there's definitely, I don't know. It's just, it's just frustrating. It's all the way around. It's been frustrating. It's yeah. It's a, per- it's a perfect communist tactic too. I mean, just hire the right people who, who had the previous correct job. And then, you know, that way they can keep their fingers in every cookie jar. And then if something bad happens, they can run cover for each other and try to gaslight the public into believing that everything is okay when everything is not okay. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. We do have two amazing people running for school board because we have two seats up for election um, in November. And one of them is Amanda Deaton out of Cox's Creek. She's a lawyer out of Bardstown and she is very intelligent, very well-spoken, has kids that go to Nelson County schools. And, uh, I really, I really like her. I really, really like her. I'm glad that she's running. I hope she runs unopposed. I mean, it's going to be a tough campaign to beat her anyway. (laughs) Um, and then we also have in my district in New Haven, we have David Norman running, but he's running against another person. I think his name is Ryan Gossam. Um, I feel like my personal opinion, I feel like uh, Mr. Gossam is a, a West Bradley pick mm-hmm. um, to try and run against David Norman. David Norman will, would be hard to beat on his own anyway, but they're, I, I feel like they're scrambling to try and keep those seats because there's other people that have popped up in Amanda's districts that, you know, that, you know, they look like they're going to try and be running or whatever. But so, yeah, that's, it's going to be an interesting November with the school board elections. The first time that I've ever seen an actual campaign with school board members, like actually like putting in effort and actually having to put out money and signs for school board. You know, I've never seen that in our, our County before. So that's kind of refreshing to see actual campaigning happening. That's cool. Is that now are these individuals potentially going to be the majority on the school board in a they, good, in a good way? I think so. I think it could lead to a majority that could possibly even, um, get rid of Bradley, I think is the ultimate goal. See, there you go. You want to, you want to galvanize that, that area. That's exactly what you do. You take an ax to, to his big tree, so to speak. And then you want to even rally the troops even more. You hire back those administrators who left because they had had enough. Absolutely. But the thing is, you know, to keep in mind, and, and, you know, everybody needs to understand that it doesn't stop at the superintendent. There is somebody pulling his strings. He's not the only one. You could cut that tree down, but 10 more are going to pop up in its place because he's there for a reason. I right. mean, this is not West Bradley's uh, tyranny you know, on Nelson County. He's not acting alone. There's, there's more than just him. There's people that are under him that believe in what he's doing. But not only that, there's people above him that want him to be here for a reason. Get, get into that if you can and, and revisit that for, for the listeners here. Um, who do you think is, is above Wes Bradley that's controlling him and where do their allegiances lie? 
Well, it, it all goes back to those corporations that are, are getting their tentacles in education. Um, who has the biggest pots of money? Go and look at the lobbyists that are up in Frankfort, Kentucky, or even in Washington, D.C. Who are the biggest lobbyists? Or, you know, you, you could even look, you could start with some of the, the strange programs that your, your school is using. You know, if you, if you go start digging into some of the stuff your, um, your school is learning, like big picture, picture learning, for example, is something that Nelson County Schools has used. So if you look up big picture learning, go scroll to the sponsors page or um, community partners. You look through those community partners who partner with those programs. You're going to find names like the Gates Foundation. You're going to find the Zuckerberg Chan Initiation. You're, or uh, you're going to find uh, the Cutter Foundation. Um, those names keep popping up in different aspects of, or di- these different programs in education. Um, ultimately, I think those are the, the the real string pullers are those those foundations and, and those uh, corporations. But, you know, and then, but it trickles down. It's, it's smaller, um, sub companies of those, you know, it just, it's, it's a crazy pyramid, but it always goes to the top. You can always find those same places over and over again. The, the Gates Foundation, the Bill and, Bill, Bill and Melinda Gates, their names shows up on a lot of this stuff and Zuckerberg and, you know, you just, you have to keep following the string and it's always going to lead back to those same places. I think ultimately those are the real string pullers in most of the problems that we're seeing in education. Well, let me ask you this too, because this just hit my mind as you were, as you were talking about that. And uh, I, I think this, I think there's a bigger, a bigger plan here, even because we're talking about, again, the corporations and all that influence. I don't know if you, if you still listen to the podcast, but there was a, an episode a while back, not that long ago, where I, I brought up a Dallas politician who was running for office, and the person he was running against in Dallas, Texas was, and I think they were running for state representative um, in their state government, but he was saying that his opponent, uh, who is not the good guy in the in the political race, but he was saying that his plan is to allow corporations to take total control over all of Dallas's community colleges. And, and then of course te- the, they're on, it's on public land. So the, the public would be paying for everything. Right. Um, and then of course, basically every single community college campus would look like an outdoor mall. They would have stores, they would have shops, they would have restaurants. And oh, by the way, that's, you know, over there is where you take your class and buy your books. Do you think it's conceivable that K-12 schools would be bailed out the exact same way? I can see it heading in that direction. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, they're making it sound like, you know, we're going to, we're going to cater to your child's need. We're going to get them, you know, started on a path that's going to, you know, direct them toward their passions. And I mean, what five-year-old, you know, is going to follow their passion of being whatever, you know, I wanted to be a ballerina when I was five. That's not going to get me very far. I'm clumsy, but (laughs) it's, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's take Google, for example, just about every public school uses Google classroom. Each kid has their own Google account. Um, what is Google doing with the information while your child is using their Chromebook or their device um, while they're on their account? 
all that data is being collected. When the schools sign up for Google Suite, they have to, you know, they have to agree to a certain amount of data mining. They can't protect, you can't protect your kid from everything if they're using Google Classroom. Um, that was something that I found in the Nelson, you know, Nelson County schools that absolutely, I mean, it started with, um, the district wide using these, they call them gift showcase pages where kids would put their content, uh, kind of like a blog, their own blog, um, together and it would be publicly accessible. Um, and their, their picture and all their personally identifying information was all listed right there, um, on a public Google site. Eventually that was kind of all taken down and now it's just available to, you know, district employees and people with district um, logins, but including other students, but you know, the, the groundwork had already been laid for it. And so if there, that kind of led me to looking in more into Google and Google classroom and, and what the, the different programs these kids are using It's data mining. They are data mining so heavily on students. Why? Because each student has their own, you know, unique identity on the internet and that's going to carry with them through adulthood. So they've already got a profile set up on your child. Now you think about these algorithms starting off as an adult, you, you know, there's a reason why it's called, you know, they're, they're predictive algorithms. You have like Facebook, you have um, Twitter, TikTok, whatever, social media, especially. And they watch your behavior online. They follow you, you know, they collect cookies. It's, you know, whatever, but it's setting up your profile to the point where these algorithms can now predict your behavior. We all say, you know, oh, well, we had a conversation about um, the other day. I had a conversation with my brother about volunteering and volunteering stuff started showing up on, you know, on my newsfeed, some of the social media sites. But it's not that they're listening in. It's that your behavior is predictable. <laughs> it's it's they're predicting what you're going to do next. And that's even creepier than listening into what you're saying. Um, but that's that's what's at the heart of it is this predictable behavior um, algorithm. And so if you can do start that at an early age, you know, what a child is doing on their Chromebook, what they're looking at when they're not you know, doing their schoolwork, what kind of videos they're watching on YouTube, what kind of websites they're going to, what kind of games they're playing, how they play the games, how they interact with, you know, the different parts of the Internet, all that is being compiled and saved for each child that is using a Chromebook in each school. What are they going to do with that information? Well, it's going to follow them once they graduate. It's going to continue to build a profile on this individual and make it, and, and you become a commodity. They are turning schools into data farms so that they can continue their future as a corporation and their, um, their relevancy with other corporations to buy your profile, to buy your behavior and sell it. You are a commodity. Anytime you interact with any of the internet, you are being sold your personality, your individualism, and they're starting it earlier and earlier. And now kids, you know, we have these one-to-one -one classrooms. Well, it's great. And Google has given all these discounts to people. Well, why would they do that? Well, they're doing it because they're making money off of your child's personality, off of their future choices, because you, we are predictable. You know, you, you keep, we, we have these behaviors that we continue to do and it's just going to be more and more predictable.
that's where I think it's headed. And yes, so I could absolutely see the strip mall style college. I could see a strip mall style K through eight school. It's already being done on the internet. See, there you have it right there. I mean, they've got, they've got every student individualized now uh, and, and profiled, as you said, f from a, a digital footprint, so to speak. And now I remember you mentioning the, all of the marketing that was going into Nelson County and the money that was being spent for stickers and t-shirts and, you know, the murals on the walls and all of that other stuff. I mean, the only thing there, and not to mention, of course, the, um, the merger and the combination of sixth through 12th, 12th grade. Um, and yeah, that's a demographic move probably based on low enrollment without a doubt. But at the same time, the only thing that's missing now are clothing stores and, and full-blown restaurants where, again, right. you, you start seeing Nike and you start seeing these other brand names who are uh, basically making their way inside of a school district. And, I mean, they would, they would have to be the ones funding it because government can't keep bailing out these schools I mean, all the Carax money has been wasted and is gone now. I don't know. I mean, I was theorizing out loud here with that, but I, I it just hit me like a freight train that that it seems like that's where it's headed. Basically, it's already there. It's not yeah. headed anywhere. It's there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, all the framework for it is there. Yeah. That brings up another question too about the CARES Act money. How did your How did your school end up? spending that cash as far as you know i'm not a hundred percent certain of where because when, when they when they had those board board meetings is kind of when i started I, I dropped out of you know being involved um yeah none of it a lot of the surrounding districts gave bonuses to their staff members i don't think our district really did that and i know they they kind of directed that money into other things I, I don't know for certain what, what exactly they did with it, though. Hmm. Um, l let me ask you this, too. Uh, it's still within the same vein, but I don't know if, you're, if you ever watch or listen to the Stu Peters show, but I, I thought of you the other day when, when this story came up, and it was absolutely horrific, and it had to do with CPS and Child Protective Services in Kentucky. Um. There was a couple there that was on a show, and they were discussing how six or six some odd years ago, because their oldest daughter was anorexic and was receiving counseling for that, that a judge ruled that CPS could take all of their children. And that's exactly what ended up happening. Um, they ended up basically stealing the 17-year-old and then the five or six other other young children that this couple had. Um, have, what have you heard? And then, of course, his next guest on his show, he had, a, he had a woman on who was talking about what goes on in CPS and how basically it is child trafficking. How they, and, I mean, we've basically known this for a long time, but to hear the details is, is something completely different, not to mention, of course, just stealing children out of a home. Uh, yeah. th that is, of course, court-ordered, which is awful. But uh, this particular individual was bringing up, not only is it essentially child trafficking, but every single kid is worth a certain amount of money to CPS. 
and the more children that exist within a foster home, the more money the foster home receives. And so they'll call each other as foster homes and they'll tr basically trade kids or, you know, do whatever they can to make sure that, uh, that their population, so to speak, within their foster home is at a certain level so they keep receiving cash. Yeah. Have you heard anything, even in the local newspaper or from anybody that you talk with, about anything CPS related around where you live and, and what their role is in the local school district? Um, well, it, it's actually, in Kentucky, it's actually a law that if a teacher even suspects any kind of abuse that they have to report it to CPS. So, yeah, but as far as, you know, like I've heard the horror stories about, you know, the foster, foster kids, you know, in and out. It, we have a very transient community um, with foster kids. There's, you know, a couple, there's dozens of foster kids in just New Haven school um, alone. You know, of course, they, they're not not necessarily, you know, the, in the case of, you know, the one you were talking about where the, the whole family was removed for one child having anorexia. But, um, but definitely abuses within CPS and, and the foster care system. It, it's, it's very evident. Um, and you could tell foster families that have uh, their heart is really in it. And I know some that have actually, like, they done foster care and then and they wound up adopting the children that they were taking care of and, and, and it all works out for everybody in a very beautiful way but also you know there's obviously you know when you're moving that many children around and they come from that many traumatic experiences it's easy to to see where where abuses can and do take place and and they do take advantage of those children um as far as cps goes even as far back as 20 years ago um, our family had a run-in with CPS. Um, my sister had severe abdominal pain, and we were all homeschooled at this point. But my sister had some, some severe abdominal pain, and my parents took her to the hospital. And they allegedly um, mixed up urine samples and found things in my sister's urine, my, what they thought was my sister's urine sample that shouldn't be there. And they just right then and there took her just called in CPS and she was just gone. Well, they did a, a rape kit test on her, you know, this little eight year old kid, um, and, uh, took her and put her into foster care immediately that day. And then the, you know, the sheriff came to our house, raided laundry baskets, beds, everything took stuff. That was my sister's, you know, took, you know, things from my, my dad's laundry, her laundry, just, it was ridiculous. Um, and then for the next three or four weeks, we, uh, we had to go every, just about every day up to CPS and get interviewed. We all went into interviews and they would ask us the same questions. It was mind numbing over and over again in different forms. I was 12 or 13 at the time. And I remember thinking to myself, these people are insane. Like they're asking me the same question over and over again and ask about everyone's sleeping situation and ask about, you know, and, and it's very clear that, you know, nothing could happen to my sister other than they basically raped her um, at the hospital to see if she had been raped. Um, and um, it was it was my parents had to hire lawyers that they couldn't afford. We ended they ended up bankrupt. It ruined our family. It really did. And my sister has a lot of um, trauma that she still deals with over that. 
the, the foster family that she went to, fortunately for her, was a very kind and generous family. Um, they had, you know, like four or five kids of their own, plus they kept a couple foster kids. But, um, but yeah, so we have our own, and I, because of that, it left a really bad taste in my mouth and anything CPS related, I'm always immediate, my immediate reaction is just like disgust. <laughs> so No kidding. That's, that's the nutshell of our CPS experience. So they just gave your sister away. Yeah. Did they, she... they took her from the hospital straight to a foster family. When did your parents get her back? It was, it was a, a month and a half. Oh my God. And they had to, you know, my dad had to live outside the home or we would have to be put in foster care to make sure that we were safe. It was insane. It was insane. Did they just purposefully mix her urine with say urine that they had on hand that was filled with drugs? I don't know. I don't know what they did. I, I, it came, came out that it was some kind of mix up at the hospital. Um, but yeah, it, it, it took a team of lawyers and I mean, I have two half brothers that lived with their dad at the time. They had to come down cause they were, one was in college and the other one was in high school. They came down and, and talked about family life and, um, character you know as part partly as a character character witness i mean we had to get all kinds of my dad people my dad worked with involved as character witnesses and it was really really awful <laughs> so yeah any anything cps related i'm immediately gonna you know they're a bunch of clowns and half of them don't know what they do they're doing and the other half are probably doing some kind of trafficking or or making money off of this somehow so yeah <laughs> that's awful any yeah. i mean was there any compensation as no. a result of their so-called mix-up no nothing no then there was no no chance of of even suing or anything we i mean my my parents looked into it but it wasn't it was going to cost more more than it was worth so they just kind of dropped it and filed for bankruptcy <laughs> wow what a nightmare yeah. Oh wow! I had no idea. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry that happened. My God. Well, I mean, like I said, it's over 20 years ago, and the system—it's—if it was that bad then, it's you know probably three times worse now. It's—it's it's not set up to to heal the nuclear family if there is a problem. It's really not. And and I think you know. Because there's there's no there's no um, respect for the nuclear family and there's there's no sanctity of life for with these people. That's horrible. Of course, they're there to destroy a nuclear family when there is no problem. <laughs> right. They're, they're right on board to do that. But I've had other cases where, you know, I've had friends that, you know, they have a son that's kind of he's he likes to joke around a lot and he, you know, he'll joke around about, you know, well, daddy beat me last night or something. You know, he's, he's a preteen that just, he jokes around like that. That's just how he is. That's how his dad is. Um, but they called in CPS on them and they had to do a home visit and everything and everything worked out fine. Nobody was taken out of their home, but just the aggravation of, you know, this kid jokes around about this stuff, but now we're going to take it seriously. Well, I mean, there's really no transition here based on, a <laughs> based on a couple other things I wanted to ask you. But back one of the last times we talked, um, 
all of your children, if I'm not mistaken, were still wearing the masks both within the private and the public school. How are the how are the COVID measures, both school, business, even just walking around? You know, how how is that all going? Uh, you know, when were their mandates lifted, if they were? And Kentucky's uh, mandates were lifted a couple months ago. Okay. So there was, um, yeah, somebody came and, and actually it was a doctor. I can't remember his name, but he testified in front of the General Assembly and um, they lifted all mandates in Kentucky. So we don't have any restrictions anymore. Did, did the schools there resist any of that? Did they say, well, we're still doing it? Um, no, actually, the the schools, West Bradley doesn't like wearing his mask. So um we, we had our mandates lifted actually pretty early on in the year. So that was, that was a bonus. <laughs> nice. I just, I've seen, you know, people coming in with, you know, they'll come in one day with a mask, the next day without a mask. It's, I, I think they just like, whatever the news is saying at the moment, oh, numbers are up or, you know, we're seeing a rise in cases and still a lot of people scared and traumatized by what has been done to them. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I think you're still going to see your holdouts and people masking in public for various reasons, but you know, you do you, I don't want to just don't, don't expect me to wear it. <laughs> That's right. There you go. How's, uh, how's the new job and what is the new job? The new job. I am a deputy clerk at, um, the Lurie County courthouse and it's going really well. Um, so I, I basically work in the deed room. I record deeds and mortgages and uh, articles of incorporation and different things like that. Um, it's been really good. I had to get involved with early elections a little bit. That was kind of interesting. That was kind of a a little, uh, I don't know, it, <laughs> the week after the, the primary and, and having to, to deal with people coming in. We had a, a 300 around 300 people come in for early election for the primary and you hear, Oh God, you, the, I don't even know where to begin with this. The amount of failing of people just being educated on how a primary works and what it is, is just astounding. It kind of makes you lose your faith in humanity a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, so they come in, you know, Oh, we're always told vote early, vote often, you know, some of the comments and then you'll you know, somebody come in behind them. I have no idea who's on the ballot. I think I've, I've heard this name on the radio. I think that sounds pretty good. I'm going to vote for them or, you know, like Lord have mercy. These people are deciding the fate of this County and they have no idea what they're doing. It's, it's kind of staggering. I really, I believe everyone should have a right to vote. You know, that's, that's all fine and well, but let's be honest. I think there should be a, an aptitude test that you have to take before you get to your voter <laughs> registration. I, I almost agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you work an election, you'll agree 100%. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Like you, you should at least know what a primary is and that you can only vote your party in a primary. People come in upset because they can't vote for whoever they want. Um, it's just, uh, yeah. <laughs> Incredible. When you, got hired on there was there any jab talk any mask talk any pressure any questions when when i first started there had been talk about mandating vaccines for the county employees um i've never been vaccinated for covid 
and I don't plan on it. If that becomes a requirement, I'm sorry, I'll have to find employment elsewhere. But, um, but no, they, they haven't mandated it and nobody really talks about it. Um, my boss is pretty cool. She's, you know, into natural healing and, and that sort of thing. So we get along really well. <laughs> it's been good. Yeah. So the, where I used to work, um, doing, um, tours, uh, I used to work for a museum and we did tours and, and things. The one company that we would work through, it was, uh, kind of like a bus tour company. They would, they were going to have 22 tours coming to the museum this year. And this was the, really the, the kicker and why I left there. Um, so 22 tours, they required all the tour guides that weren't employed with them to, if you weren't vaccinated, you would have to meet their bus, get a COVID test from their nurse and hang around for the, whatever 30 minutes that it takes before the tour starts to make sure you were negative before you could get on that bus and lead that tour. So I would have to do 22 COVID tests throughout the summer. And I, that's, sorry, that's not just going to, that's just not going to happen on top of the fact that, you know, 22 times I'd have to find a babysitter for my kids at five o'clock in the morning. It's just not practical. But the COVID test thing 22 times was a real kicker. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. That's a deal breaker. How's your brother doing? The nurse? Um, he actually, he's not in the hospital anymore. He, he's doing, um, uh, he is occupational nursing. So he's, doing nursing at a, um, at the GE plant in Louisville. So he's liking that a lot. It's a lot more laid back. Um, so it's much, much easier job. It's a nine to five Monday through Friday. So nice. <laughs> he got out of the hospital. The hospitals are insane and, and it's political where it shouldn't be political. I don't know if the, I don't know if how the hospitals are still operating again. Cause I know that they're basically different everywhere. Um, if you're being bombarded with, you have to wear a mask when you walk in the front door or not. Oh, absolutely. Yes. They're still requiring all that. Oh, wow. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I think it's remarkably interesting. What's, what's continuing to roll out here regarding education. Uh, it's incredible. I mean, it's, it's for, for those of us that have seen it coming, it's, it's like I said, it's a little bit vindicating, but at the same time, it's heartbreaking because it, it nobody wants to, nobody wants to see it for what it is. Yeah. And, and, and the excuses too. I mean, I, my mind always goes to the excuses that they just continuously use. How often can you say COVID is the reason why we're failing or, <laughs> you know, COVID is the reason why our, our students can't read. It's the excuses every single time that those come out that I, I've always found fascinating. Um, right. In particular within the last two years, because in Ohio, again, uh, it was a year, by maybe a year or exactly two years ago, they just said, well, we're not doing the state standardized test anymore. Yeah. And they just didn't do it. And then, of course, they've decided to change the parameters of what it means and... I don't know. It, they, they basically just proved in one fell swoop that all of it is useless. So what's the point? <laughs> it's bizarre. Um, well, and but also they don't want to be able. They don't want to have to keep themselves accountable, and that's part of it. You know, we had in Kentucky, we had two bills that passed recently: one for one approving charter schools, and then another one um, that made that made it possible for districts to bypass facilities plans. 
in the name of inflation and just getting stuff done before prices go up and not having to prolong um, the process of building new schools or whatever. But um, it, it really just takes away the accountability and and that, and that's a lot of it is you have to and it's so hard to keep an eye on this legislation but if you don't if you don't you know contact your senator and your congress you know congressman you're they're basically just going to continue to just let these corporate you know these these school corporations i call them you know that run amok and do whatever they want to i mean we all think, you know, thought charter schools would be the answer or be a better option, but they're still publicly funded. And now they're publicly funded and less accountable to, you know, the, the, the standards that are set in the state. Um, so it's just, it, it's, it's a crazy nightmare. Anything that is taxpayer publicly funded is really just, I can't see it ending well. <laughs> yeah. you, you have less control over it than, than you even ever imagined. Yeah, and I, I think the corporations also have their hands, of course. Well, they definitely do. It's it's been proven, but they've got their hands in all of the curriculum and the. Absolutely, it's it's very yeah. it's abundantly clear. Like I said, I've been I just kind of fell off the face. I had to I had to literally walk away from a lot of stuff. I just reset my brain. It's been crazy. Sure, <laughs> I totally get it. Well, and it's I... been it's been wonderful to be blissfully ignorant of everything, but. No I'm kidding. Get back into the world. <laughs> yeah. Well, you come back with new eyes, and you come back refreshed, yeah. looking at looking at particular things a different way. And it's not that a, anybody has to jump full bore back into anything that they were previously. I mean, the, yeah. the the ball's been kicked down the hill. It sounds like in your school district, and and there's really nothing that can be done. Right. Unless, of course, like we've always said in previous episodes, they just clean house. Yeah. I mean, and and really that that's that's what it's going to take. And I just. You know the people that are that are fighting the merger right now, and you know, good for them for standing up for this. But they're they're trying to keep Bloomfield from closing. They're trying to keep middle schoolers out of high school, and that's all noble and fine. But you know, what's what's going to happen after that's done? You know, that's that's where I have my doubts. <laughs> Problems are bigger than just that. Exactly, much bigger state level. It's nationwide. It's it's public school. It's just it's. I'm more convinced now than ever that public school is. It's just it's coming down. It's collapsing. It's on fire, and you need to get your family out. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.